Welcome back to my listen, guys. A bi-weekly... No, hang on. I have to change that now. Oh, no, my heart. <laughs> no, I'm sad. <laughs> it's, it's like, no, I didn't think of that. We have to change the intro. <laughs> oh, no. Welcome back to Merlin, guys, a monthly podcast about BBC's Merlin, where we talk about the show, the ships, the fandom, and the characters. My name is Momotastic. And I'm Miss Snowfox. And today we are coming to you with another episode review. We are, like, I mean, not quite, but almost halfway through season two already. I know. And so we are going to talk about fifth episode of season two, which is Beauty and the Beast part one. Yes. And before we do that, let's hear some news. Le Fay Art on Tumblr has posted a list of suggested prompts for a Merlin-themed Inktober. Any artist who wants to participate in the challenge in an entirely Merlin way can check out these prompts. Winter Nights Fest 2019 is open for sign-ups, it is a prompt-based holiday fest for the Merlin fandom. Speaking of holiday-themed Merlin challenges, Merlin holidays sign-ups are already over, but everyone who signed up should have received their assignment by now. Merlin Cannon Fest has begun posting. All entries for series 1 and 2 have been posted, and master lists are available on the fest's live journal. Equally, After Kamlan Big Bang has begun posting and will continue to post works until the middle of October. And finally, Merlin Fanfic Quotes on Tumblr is looking for quote submissions. If there is a quote from a Merlin fic that you loved, submit it to this Tumblr to share it with the rest of fandom. Alright, and that has been it for news, which means time for some talkbacks. Okay, so we have a comment from Elioen on our episode review of the first episode of season 2, in which I think I was pointing out that it was weird to me when Merlin calls Arthur sire. And Elioen has to say, Merlin calls Arthur sire 52 times in the whole show, in season 4 the most, 17 times. And he calls him Sire more when they're alone, but that might be because they have so many scenes when they're alone. He often uses Sire when he's either trying to show his respect or needs to tell him something important, or when he's making fun of him. But sometimes he uses it in normal domestic scenes too. Okay, so first of all, thank you for these statistics, Ellie. <laughs> yeah, really, really helpful. Like, it makes me happy that someone actually did the numbers on this. And it kind of, like from what I remember saying in that review, is it kind of both supports and contradicts my point. <laughs> like, it's, you know, sort of rare that Merlin calls Arthur sire, and that's why it caught me in that scene. But I suppose this is somewhere near the beginning of that habit forming, because he very much tries to appeal to Arthur and make him listen. So that definitely checks out. Well, your point was that he sounded... That his reaction to being scared and intimidated by seeing him above him was to call him sire. 
and that that was a little bit disconcerting. Right. Okay, so then I got this mix up in my head where I thought he was like trying to appeal to him and use Sire in that moment, like when he was already standing up. But yeah, no, then then I stand by what I said. It's still strange that he that he used it in that moment. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I have to add is that I just um, I think I wrote this on Discord once that I find it strange that the show uses the word sire so frequently anyway. Like just like from a writing perspective, it's not a word that people use very much in English. Like if you watch any kind of mainstream, I don't know, like fantasy like show book royal anything like sire is just not a very commonly used word and when i actually looked into the origins of the word it it rarely ever actually meant someone of royal standing like it would usually be used maybe to someone that was of a superior standing but like your grace your majesty your highness were all exclusively for the royal family and no sorry not exclusively they were used for the royal family and then your grace would also be uh, used for dukes and duchesses. But I just find it strange because, yes, sire is just a very, very unusual word. And they do use it a lot. They use my lord as well, which is also inaccurate. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah. yeah, I just I find their their choices of words for the royal family really, really odd. Not like not because I'm surprised at the inaccuracy. It's just, yeah, they're using words that are very that they're not commonly used and like you could i mean it it's not even one of those things where it's like oh this is a huge historical inaccuracy like you could just do a quick google search and see what's more appropriate <laughs> like it's that easy maybe they like, intentionally yeah. did this to you know create their own language that's true that's which true. Sorry, you know i'm yeah. giving i'm giving the writers more credit than they probably deserve for this <laughs> but like also another thing which i just remembered is that in vampire lore, the vampire who made you will often be called your sire because mm-hmm. he like he sired you or she sired yeah, yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, where's that vampire AU where Merlin addresses Arthur as sire because Arthur actually made him a vampire? Yeah, I mean there I mean and also to to sire is also a verb, like, you know, to to sire a son, for example. Yeah. So it's like it's yeah, but it's a Merlin it's a is very just Merlin is word. just constantly pointing out to Arthur, you have the ability to create children. <laughs> yeah, except you don't. And when <laughs> and when and when people say it to Uther, which sometimes they do, I think, it is to say you sired a son, <laughs> sire. Awesome! Thank you so much for the talk back, Ellie. And of course, here we are about to tell you all of the places that you can get in touch with us. And we love hearing your comments, so we highly encourage you to do so. So if you want to be featured on the podcast like you just heard Ellen being featured, you need to go ahead and leave a comment on our website. And that is merlisten.parakaproductions.com or just Google it. We do pick and choose what comments we react to, but we usually only leave out comments that have information in them that we've covered many many times before but if you desperately want us to cover it anyway then tell us and we absolutely will and then all these other places that i'm about to list you can come and comment with us and speak to us but we won't actually feature your comment on the podcast so we have twitter where we're at melissa we have a tumblr where we're also melissa we're on itunes where you can give us a rating and a review 
and that is also Merlison. We also have an email address, which because it's been so long since we've last recorded, I've forgotten again. So Momo will tell you what that is. <laughs> it's still as it has been for the last two and a half years. <laughs> Merlison.podcast at gmail.com. It's the dot. It's always the dot. <laughs> what um, else would it be? <laughs> I just, I just. I don't know. It just was was just my listen at gmail.com not available. No, it wasn't. Oh damn! Who's? Why would that? Why? <laughs> I don't understand. What? Uh, never mind. Um, uh, we also have a Discord server, which is the funnest way where you can come and talk to us and guests that have been on the show and just listeners of the show. And it's really nice to go and talk to other fans of the podcast and of Merlin in there once like a new episode is aired. And if you do want to come and be featured on the podcast as a guest, it's also the best place to go and sort out dates and availability and stuff like that. And the link to that is on our Tumblr, or you can just ask one of us and we'll give it to you. And those are all of the places where you can find us. Come and speak to us. We want to hear from you. Okay. So let's get into this episode now. And yes. we shall start with the episode summary from the Merlin Vicky. Hmm? Uther is captivated by his latest guest, the beautiful Lady Katrina. Arthur is appalled by his father's flirting, but Merlin is wary for a different reason. He suspects she is really a troll. Katrina and her strange servant are welcomed into the heart of Camelot, and it is up to Merlin to prove she is a monster and save Uther from ruin. Unfortunately, Katrina has her sights set on a far greater prize than the king's heart. Okay, I take exception to a few of these things in this summary. First of all, Merlin doesn't suspect she is a troll. He finds out that she is a troll. <laughs> Yeah, okay. he suspects there's some, and and actually he doesn't suspect anything. Gaius suspects, and then they but, find yeah, out that he's exactly. And then Merlin sees Jonas has a tail, and that when he's like, hmm, something's not quite right here, you know. So Merlin doesn't suspect she's a troll. Merlin suspects something is strange after Gaius tells him, hmm, something is strange, and then he finds out she's a troll, and then the the order of this is. Is this mixed up? Katrina and her servant are welcomed into the heart of Camelot. Like, okay, I mean, into the heart of Camelot. Fine. Is does that mean that Uther is Camelot because she gets into his heart? I don't know. I mean, these summaries are just. <laughs> yeah. Also, I hope is... the person that wrote these isn't listening. <laughs> what is with the monster shaving? Merlin has to prove she is a monster. Okay, what part of her are you referring to? Because in some, to some degree, I would agree, but you know, I'm suspecting it's not the part you mean, the person oh, who wrote this. <laughs> all right, all right. So this episode aired on the 24th of October 2009 for the first time. It has three female characters. No, I'm sorry. It has two female characters. With like, no, hang on. Does Gwen actually say something? I think she. No. Nope. <laughs> does she not say anything? She, she appears once. <laughs> she yeah, I remember her appearing. She doesn't say anything. Okay, yeah. so oh no, she she has a look. She yeah. She she does a point. Three Morgana has three like characters with looks. Yeah, so it's two main cast female characters. It's uh no sorry, it's one main cast female character who is Morgana who has I think two lines and a bunch of looks, and then the other is uh, troll Katrina, 
And that's only if you count her because she's only appearing human. I don't know how we want to count this, whether she counts or not. I mean, she has a a human actress on screen portraying her, so I feel like that's fair. Yeah, I mean, like, she she looks human part-time. I guess it counts. I mean, you were counting the she, right? So, like, as, like, human characters when we did that episode, right? I mean, yeah, that's because they were actually human at that time. Yeah, but... They're still... Like, they were mortal like, humans. That was the entire point of their problem. Yeah, but, like, they they were trapped in a mortal body, but they were still she, right? And so Troll Katrina is, like, transformed into a human. Yeah, I guess. Like, she has a physical human body, so I feel like <clears throat> yeah. that counts. Okay, okay. <laughs> we take what we can get. <laughs> Truly, truly. The only female character really to have any proper dialogue is a troll. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then we have uh, five male characters with lines. There are Arthur, Merlin, Gaius, and Uther, and Jonas as the supporting cast. And obviously the enemy or monster of the week are the troll and Jonas. Yes. Okay, now for some overall thoughts. I'm sure Rox has some. Well, it's funny because I um, have kind of got a bit of a reputation on this podcast for joking about trolls and goblins and how they're completely useless in this show. And, like, I I actually really think that, like, this storyline is very entertaining. The only problem, and I haven't watched Beauty and the Beast Part 1 in a really long time. I actually really like Beauty and the Beast Part 2. I think it's much funnier I think it's hysterical. I really do. See, this I hated, episode, I hated more than the first part. Uh, see, for me, this episode is extremely boring, full of filler, filler, and more filler. Like, so many scenes that could have been condensed so easily or just edited out. And it's a real shame because for a show that only has 13 episodes to begin with, and for this huge comic relief storyline that has two parts to span two episodes, and the first one of them being so, like, just full of filler and extended. Yeah, it's... I, I actually struggled to watch this the other day because I was just so bored while I was watching it. What I find fascinating is that this is the only time we get a two-part episode in the middle of a season. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously season five has this uh, mini subplot of, like, evil Gwen that arches several episodes, but they're not really connected. It's like any other subplot that arches several episodes. So it's not really, you know, it's not part one, part two, part three, or something like that. But this is, like, actually two directly connected episodes where the story gets continued directly on from the first episode. And it's just, like... It's wild to me <laughs> that we had this, that this happened and that it yeah. happened on this kind of episode, you know, this kind of comedy yeah. relief episode. Exactly. And from what I understand from what was going on behind the scenes, the Jays didn't like they weren't hugely fond of the idea of doing these two parters and they didn't do one in season one and Doctor Who was actually as far as I'm aware the show that kind of was really setting the precedent for doing these kinds of things and proving very popular with audiences and um, 
unfortunately i think they kind of were not forced maybe but certainly encouraged by the uh, studio to to make these episodes and so they kind of just stuck this one in there like to just make them happy they and could then have picked ended a better having... one than this yeah, exactly <laughs> I mean... and i i mean I don't know why they chose this one in particular. Um, maybe it was because they really like Sarah Parrish and they uh, they thought she might bring in, you know, like a like an even bigger audience because of uh, her being so well known in the I UK. I mean, they're probably not wrong about that. Let's be yeah, real. and she's brilliant. I mean, oh god, she, I, mean, I talk about an MVP oh, of the season. I will be gushing about her for the rest of this episode and the yeah. next one. Definitely, she is incredible. Oh. Um, and yeah, I mean. But regardless of why it was chosen, um, you know, chosen it was, and we just have to kind of deal with that. And yeah, so I just, uh, for me, I just, I just find part one of this um, really tedious to get through. I, yeah, I really, really do. Um, but yeah, you, you said that you found it easier to get through than the second part. Yeah, I mean, I will get into that once we get to the to the second part but okay, like right. it's probably for all the reasons that you hate it it's like the first part is just lighthearted and easy to watch and like you know it's just i just find it entertaining <laughs> yeah no that's fair i think i would find it entertaining like more entertaining if there was more comedy like i don't know just more comedy and more character stuff and just less like like just ra- scenes of Merlin just walking around a room, sneaking around or hiding, or Merlin stumbling upon information like for the third time, or Merlin and Gaius having another conversation about Katrina that could have been condensed into like another scene. And I think it's just so much of the same. Like yeah. the scenes just ended up getting mixed up in my head in the oh, end. Oh yeah. And I mean, I, if yeah. they if they had cut part of what you dislike and at least part of what I dislike from the second part, they could have made a halfway decent single episode out of it, I'm sure. Um, But yeah, so not, not a lot of overall thoughts. I mean, this, this episode is one of the least meaty episodes. Like I have so little like real meta, like, you know, even the second episode has a lot of Arthur stuff that you can really get into. Whereas this one, he's like, Oh yeah, he has. He, I mean, he has slightly more screen time than Morgana, but not very much screen time. More screen, not very much more screen time than Morgana, which is amazing, honestly. Yeah, it's kind of. But they insane. spend so much time on like Uther and the troll and uh, Gaius and Merlin, but like over. I think I feel like I've seen more of Gaius Uther. And the troll than I've seen of anyone else in this episode. Like, honestly, Gaius is in this episode so much more than I remember. Uther is in this episode so much more than I remember. And again, I think it's because when I watch this storyline, I only watch the second part usually. And so I just completely forget that Uther is in like nearly every single scene. Gaius is in nearly every single scene. And it's kind of nice that like the old guard get to kind of like have their moment to shine. And like Sarah Parrish is a slightly older actress as well. So I kind of like that they get to carry this and, you know, they have the acting chops to do it. I just just realized that Jeffrey of Monmouth has more lines than Morgana in this episode. He's in it? Oh, yeah, he marries them at the end. (laughs) Okay, also, one more spoiler before we get into it properly. 
I don't hate Gaius in this episode. Hooray! I feel like this deserves some applause. <laughs> yeah, I would, like, you have to put, like, um, yeah. like a... <laughs> A sound effect. <laughs> some cheering. I'll do some cheering yeah, yeah. in there. It's like, hooray! Okay. Track. Anyway. Um, but yeah, I think that this is, yeah, this is just a very interesting episode to go into a lot of guys and Uther stuff. But let's just, yeah, get into it. And um, we begin with, well, I've called the first one the one in the cave. Just really simple. <laughs> See, I called it the one with the cave. <laughs> <laughs> Copyright. I was first! um like so the only note i have for this and this is just so like so fucking like typical of me but um for those of you that aren't aware or aren't following me on any social medias or anything like that uh i've been watching a lot of anime recently and when i first put this episode on a it was weird for me to see something in live action (laughs) (laughs) oh that's what humans look like (laughs) secondly um secondly when he starts doing the spell um i don't know if they're using different words to what colin usually uses but i legit was like oh they're speaking japanese (laughs) (laughs) i thought he was speaking japanese and i was like oh no oh no (laughs) it has begun the transition so that was my introduction to beauty and the beast part one after a long time of not watching live action but apart from that i have nothing really of value to say apart from the fact that we have our setup (laughs) yeah i my only note is that i think they did an outstanding job with the mask for the troll Gosh, yeah. That's probably what their entire budget went on in this season. Just getting Sarah Parrish into this costume and into this troll mask. Yeah, and do you know what? This is what I always kind of come back to when people like people that don't really have a problem with the over-reliance on CGI to change people into like mythical creatures and stuff. <coughs> Beauty and the Beast. <coughs> like <laughs> The Um, other beauty and the beast, you mean? Because, you know, this was 2009, and I'm, that, that looks real to me. Yeah. Like, that actually does look real. So, regardless of whether or not it costs more money, I mean, again, this is just me kind of being naive in that studios care about timelessness or what their films are going to look like 10 years from now. They, they care about what their films are going to make in the next five minutes, and CGI is cheaper, and so they're going to make a bigger profit. But it just makes me very upset that, you know, that isn't, that we don't do things like this anymore, that we don't make things, and we don't, have prosthetics and we don't have makeup and we don't have props and I'm actually really excited that you know I don't know if CGI was still cheaper at this point but that the Merlin creators and the BBC chose to actually kind of take a more like tangible approach to the makeup and to make her look like a troll yeah you know you know who could tell us this probably it's Academy Award winner Amphigori Amphigori Who could probably tell us yeah, whether it so... would have been cheaper to do CGI in 2009 or if this just, uh, if it would have come out to about the same. So, M, you know what we expect from you now. <laughs> On the website. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So we, so we have a legit reason to react to this and let other people know as well. Um, but yeah, so... 
Katrina transforms and we see her hood come come down uh, as uh, as they enter Camelot. And um, honestly, Sarah Parrish is such a good looking woman. She is. Let's just get this right out of the way right now because every time in that scene when she takes off the hood, I'm just like, gosh, but you are beautiful. Yeah, it's... And, <clears throat> you know, I've seen her in three things now and um, I feel like she just has so much grace it's just it's absolutely insane and her range in this episode and like some of the scenes where she immediately goes from being a human troll to being normal katrina yeah i will be gushing about that as well when we get to it because it's just wow but also i guess from a character perspective for katrina to be able to do that is actually quite surprising as well that she can pull off being a human you know like that's really impressive and uh as they enter camelot the one i have written down is the one with the pots i don't know what what you've got for this next bit i have the one with the collection of pots <laughs> we were very creative yeah so I'm, I'm getting around. either you're getting worse at these titles or i'm getting better <laughs> i think it's just that there's nothing funny <laughs> to say um so Essentially, the only note I had for this scene, so uh, Katrina arrives, but uh, we first meet Jonas, who goes up to Gaius and is like, oh, like, I need to speak to Uther. And he shows the seal of Tregor, uh, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Tregor. And Gaius is like, where did you get this? And then Katrina takes down her hood again. And Gaius bows. and He's like, Merlin, bow. And I'm like, do we see them doing this with other noble families? That's and, because... Like, I mean, especially with noble women, no other noble women ever come to Camelot. We know that Morgana is the only noble woman at Camelot. But like when when Lady Vivian drops by and like the others were princesses, so it's Princess Elena, Princess Mithian. But I feel like I don't know. Maybe well, that's that's the question. What Lady Vivian actually is, because her father is a king, and I'm just I will be griping about this once we get there. But like this just makes no sense. Yeah, I mean social rules in Camelot all weird at best like it's okay this ties into what I'm saying maybe it's just guys is like oh it's Thursday there's a noble woman we must bow it's in bylaws or something yeah it's just like, yeah it's very very strange and but tying into this it's Thursday when did they invent like today's weekday names I'm pretty sure it was not when this show is supposed to be set like wasn't it I don't know when is the. I mean, this show is supposed to be set in what the sixth century. Were yeah. they were they using Thursday, Monday, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, etc. already in the sixth century? I don't think so. I really haven't thought about I'm, this. I'm actually. Pretty, I don't know when the days of the week were invented, I'm, but I assume they were Roman. So if this is after the Roman conquest, I assume that we can say that some well, form of these names would have existed was it after the roman conquest i mean yes i mean authorian legends kind of okay so i tried to do some quick google research and failed it just keeps telling me where they come from or not when they come from so if any of our dear listeners know when our modern weekday names were established then please do tell us because 
I find it strange to hear, you know, the word Thursday in a show that is set in like the 5th or 6th century. When I think they probably would have still been called something like at least Thor's Day, you know, what the origin of this of Thursday is. It used to be Thor's Day. So I mean, I think considering how much modern colloquialism is in Merlin, it's like the thing that bugs me the least. Yeah. What I wanted also to say about uh, when Katrina shows up and, you know, unveils herself once again Merlin goes wide-eyed at the sight of a beautiful woman as I if, love this I love it too but it's like as if he isn't around Morgana every day <laughs> like has he become maybe he kid? likes them older probably I mean the way he acts around Katrina until he finds out she's a troll is it's like he's so cute he's so smitten <laughs> he's like he's got an awkward phone and he doesn't know what to do about it it's so cute and it's like it yeah it just like feeds my theory that merlin is attracted to people that have more power than he does <laughs> which because he's just like Ugh. yeah i mean i had this alternate headcanon of why merlin like literally perks up at the side of her it's because he sensed some magic surrounding her and that made his spidey senses tingle maybe <laughs> i just i just like the fact that he fancies her. Yeah, me too. Me too. I love it. I love it. It's really cute. Like and, I um, said, he he just he has an you know an awkward boner, and he's just like, oh no, <laughs> oh no. Wait, I'm I'm saving my thoughts for the scene later okay. that we have that <laughs> great moment, which you know what I'm talking about. Um, so. I've uh, named the next scene where Katrina comes into the hall the one where they reunite because it's like the lovers meeting again. I mean, um, I would say they didn't, they were never lovers before because the no, last time she was in Kelnut, she was a child and that would be very questionable. Um, yeah. Especially because she's, you know, quite a bit older than Arthur, which means... Uther would have still been with Egraine when Katrina was a child. Like, well, well, the real no, Katrina because... was a child. Yeah, but, th okay, this is something I actually wanted to touch upon, because for years I used to think that the show was trying to tell us that Katrina was, like, that there's a huge age difference between them. Actually, there's a very small age difference between Sarah Parrish and Anthony Head, and I think, like, where they keep referring to Katrina as having been a child, as having been a Gaius treated her as a child because he's obviously much older than Uther, even though they're like they're trying to be from right. the same generation. Uther was also a, like yeah, of I course think he was slightly <laughs> older than Katrina, but like Katrina was not a kid when Uther no. was with Egrain. No, you see what happened in my mind is that Uther has just always looked like this his whole life in my yeah. head. <laughs> He was always grumpy old man. He was born as a 50-year-old with a scar on his forehead. Exactly. You're completely right. He might have been a teenager or a slightly older child when Katrina was a child. You are very correct. But yeah, yeah I think yeah. that Uta and Katrina are actually fairly similar in age, which is odd that Katrina doesn't have a husband to speak of uh, i guess maybe her husband like the real katrina's husband died of something or maybe he died in that or the real katrina never place. it might have been that the real katrina never became like never lived long enough to get married because 
Well, she died in that siege. I like I I assume that's what ended up happening. But yeah, like those. Well, yeah. So so yeah. So that kind of leads us into what she tells everyone that uh, her her town or her or 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 her kingdom got ravaged by invaders and everybody but her suspiciously yeah. survived of course i think what we're meant to understand is the real katrina was also killed in that yeah. um, attack which yeah. is so sad when we see how nice katrina actually is yeah like, i want to i want to say that i titled the scene the one where arthur looks skeptical in the great hall because yeah. he's just he's very frowny about all of this from the start, especially at his father's reaction. Brownie, brownie. <laughs> he is just like, what is... Like, he he's suspicious of her like, even more than anyone else. He is suspicious of her except for entirely different reasons than Gaius and Merlin are later on. Yeah, I mean, Gaius, like, let's just be clear, Gaius is on it from the start yeah. because he's noticing that she's not limping. Yeah. But my favourite part of this scene is when she does the thing where she pretends to faint and then he yeah. comes and catches and that's i actually really like this i i have this note for later but i might as well bring it now like sarah Parrish's acting is so amazing that even when she as the troll as lady katrina is overacting it just works it's not yeah. you know it's not actually it doesn't come across to the audience as overacting like we still see oh she's definitely putting on an act to lure in uther but it's it's just it works it can totally buy like see how someone in that situation might buy this wide-eyed oh whoa me act that she's putting on it's i love it it's so amazing yeah i have i have one more um thing about this scene yeah which is a very side note i know but i'm noticing for like when i watch this i noticed for the first time how different uther sounds from giles and buffy like I've been watching Buffy with some friends recently and obviously Buffy was filmed a decade before Merlin <clears throat> but it's still so startling to see the difference in Anthony like I do wonder whether the voice was a deliberate decision on his part because it's deeper as Uther than it is as Giles but he was still like you know I mean he looks younger in Buffy because like I said it was a decade before they filmed Merlin but he was still no he was already old Oh, like old enough for his voice to have reached its maturity to have reached the the cadence it would be at and yet he sounds so different from Uther in Buffy it's amazing <laughs> I mean I think he sounds different even as Antony like clearly Uther is a dialect slash voice that he is creating, which makes sense because he's supposed to be a very powerful and intimidating man. <laughs> so it makes sense to me that he's, yeah. I mean, I haven't really seen Anthony and, and anything else, but obviously I've uh, watched a lot of the behind the scenes and I've met him a couple of times and he does sound like a lot more normal, you know, if you will, than he does as Uther. But that's one of the th- reasons why I really like actors like Anthony because they understand that you know being a character is just so much more than just pretending something like it's all about the subtleties and even if you're not putting on an accent like you have to try to alter your voice somehow so you don't sound like yourself like that really is at the end of the day what it's about so you don't sound too much like you and I think yeah you're right it's really really impressive yeah so I think this scene you think happened between this one and the one that you want to talk about next is 
the one where <clears throat> I called it the one where Gaius is not subtle, and it's where Gaius and Merlin walk along the gallery. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The famous like this is the first yeah. time we see this gallery in this episode. We are going to see it many yeah. more times in this episode. I noticed like, this. this. Gets, me too. This gallery gets a lot of work in this episode. <laughs> so. And I just love that they're walking along and something is clearly bugging Gaius and he is absolute shit at disguising his emotions when he's in in this state. But then uh, and Merlin is trying to prod it out of him, but before Merlin can, you know, get anywhere with it, Arthur calls for him and then Merlin has to has to leave and assist Arthur with something. Yeah. And this is one of those scenes that this is why I skipped over it because for me this could have literally been lifted out of the episode. Like Gaius is like if we're talking about story beats, Gaius's suspicion doesn't need to be planted three or four times. We could yeah. have Gaius asking Merlin to give Katrina the vial, and we already know from that scene that he's suspicious. We don't yeah. need a build up to him being suspicious just for the sake exactly. of it. The transition between the throne room to Katrina's chambers would have been fine. And this yeah. is what I mean with just filler, useless shit yeah. that does not need to be in That's this. True. And it's only That's there true. to pad out the runtime. That's, That's true. It. That's true. So, yeah, I call the next one the one where Sarah Parrish is a gift to the acting guild. Oh, what did I... Oh, I put the one where Merlin has a crush. <laughs> See, my first my first notice on this scene is Smith and Merlin, who clearly has a boner for Lady Katrina, is kind of adorable. Which it, amounts to the same thing. It is just lovely. And, you know, before I get into the, the actual funny stuff, you know, like, I do have a bit of, like, not serious meta, but... It just kind of both warms my heart and breaks it at the same time how well Merlin takes to being praised. Because it's like, when does he ever get this? Like he like you can just see him like blossom under Katrina's kindness, you know? And it's just really sad <laughs> that no one gives him this. Like, I don't know. It's like there's something about it that makes me really like wish that someone like Katrina actually was around in Camelot. And I'm sure that had Arthur married Mythian and Mythian had stayed around, she would have been that figure like in the in the family, like to kind of keep Arthur in check and to make sure that Merlin was being treated properly. Um, but yeah, uh, I kind of oh i didn't i didn't mention this before in the previous scene but i can kind of mention it now that i really do actually like this cool little backstory um like that katrina has with the fact that there's this neighboring family that was close to the pendragons and that they all kind of got wiped out although i am surprised that no one suggested hey how come you're the only one that survived like you know let's be honest you know out of I mean, all of the people Gaius. one lone woman yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Gaius does Gaius. Later on. yeah um but like i i do wonder though how troll katrina found out about all of this and managed to use it i mean i guess it's not super important but it's just one of those things that after a few years of being in the fandom and you run out of anything else to look for you're just <laughs> kind of like how did katrina, troll katrina find out yeah. about this very very um, not only the fact that this family conveniently died, not only the fact that they had a conveniently beautiful daughter at the conveniently similar age to Uther, but they also were conveniently close and she could use this to her advantage. But, you know, it's just it's just there for comedy. And, you know, I'm not I'm not going to be too, too anal about yeah. it. Um, but uh, yeah, just how much like I think Colin must have had quite a lot of fun just being this goofy as well, because he always has 
all the angsty stuff and just for him to kind of be like well if you need anything else just let me know (laughs) yeah i just in this scene like once merlin has left the room the way she transforms without actually changing costume is mind-blowing and i love that this gorgeous handsome beautiful woman is not afraid of making ugly faces like i mean she's an actress i'm sure she had a ball with this yeah i i I, yeah i kept thinking i want to know how much she enjoyed playing this role because i'm sure she must have this must have been a blast for her yeah just just the hunching and i love her voice just the well i can't sleep here (laughs) god it's just it's just the best voice ever like like later on she has some better lines like there's one later where she's like what's that (laughs) it's just i I think this is one of the reasons why i like this part more than the second one because in the second part she's almost Uh, exclusively the troll and in the first part we really get to see sarah Parrish shine and it's just i love it yeah that's true um i think the second part she's just more ridiculous as well which is why kind of I don't know. It's like, uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking of the scene in the um in the council chambers at the table where oh. she's sitting on the pile of shit and, and, and just, pushing some over to her. Here, a little gift for you. Tell him about our plan, beloved. <laughs> <laughs> like that kind of stuff where she's actually enjoying herself now because yeah. she gets to be a troll. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't believe that this was put on television, honestly. Um, so the one that I have next is the one with the awkward family dinner. <laughs> I have um, I have the same title except I left out the awkward, but it's clearly an awkward family yeah. dinner. And like I'll just get the boring stuff out the way first because the one thing that I'm really curious about here, and again, I know I shouldn't because it's like this is just a comedy episode. But considering how close we're to or like not close, but Uther's like, Oh, your father, I knew him well, like he was incredible and you have all of his good traits and yes, the Pendragons and the Tregors have always been very close and I'm like you were that close with her father and yet Arthur has never even heard of this family and they've never met like what like Arthur says, Oh, I wish I could have met him and it's like if you were that close, how did they never visit? How did you never go like how? How is this possible? And I know that it's just like they've just created this random family for this random fam uh, this random comedy episode, but it's just things like that. I'm a bit like you could have just had a line where it, where like Arthur instead is like, Yes, I remember meeting him on all the times he came down for Christmas, you know? <laughs> like rather than just pretending like he doesn't know anything about it. It just it kind of for me the the world building aspect like kind of falls flat in in that moment because yeah i'm just like you're not making me believe like they're actual people living outside of camelot yeah. <laughs> like arthur has never met any of them um i <laughs> okay i kind of think uther is quite smooth <laughs> in this moment like am i the only one <laughs> he's all like oh yes well many things have changed since then you are far more beautiful now (laughs) and i'm just like damn (laughs) and i guess it just says a lot about me and how trashy i am that i would have fallen for that (laughs) what i love about this is when uther is clearly flirting in front of his children the way arthur looks like his face of disgust is just priceless i love it and Morgana on the other side, she's like, you know, happy smirking. It's like she ships it already. 
(laughs) She's ready for this. I actually had this note later on, but it's very applicable here too. It's like the two faces are like, Arthur's like, that's not my fucking ship. And Morgana's like, I didn't expect to ship this, but I do. It's like, yeah, (laughs) Morgana is the OTP shipper and for Arthur, it's the no TP. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of now want a meme with with Arthur's face where like half his mouth is turned up like while slightly open and the uh, eyes just with like kind of like the flashing no tp yeah yeah <laughs> basically <laughs> like that's not my fucking shit i'd like yeah arthur arthur ships like uther and giving arthur attention <laughs> that's what he ships. Yeah. not some yeah. random woman yeah. also i can't believe they wasted this dress of morgana's on this short scene of hers like i don't know if we see this dress again but I think we do. Okay, because this yeah, dress, do. when she stands up, like, even as she's sitting there, and then when she stands up, I'm like, this dress is gorgeous. Why was it wasted on this scene? Oh, no, they definitely, uh, they have it again in Sweet Dreams, and I think the one where we see it properly for the, like, a, like a proper scene is um, when her and Uther fall out in The Witch's Quickening, and she's like, you'll go to hell, and, like, that kind of thing. So I think that's where we, where we really see it. But um, But she has two white dresses and this is the one which has lace and then the other one has like beads or something so they're but yeah very very i mean i'm not a huge fan of the straight dresses that she has like this one and the other white one um but the lace looks good i like the lace yeah (laughs) i have one more note i have one more note about katrina in this or like the troll in this scene because for a troll who lives reclusively in a cave surrounded by piles of dung she sure knows how to beguile a med- medieval widowed king. Like, if Uther is smooth, she is just smooth. Like, she definitely that's knows true. what to say. That's true, that's true. I think because maybe we're so not used to seeing Uther in this kind of environment. And this is another, like, I guess this is a good time to mention this, that I really love the fact that we get to see this side of Uther. In this episode, like... Yes, in the next one, but he's obviously enchanted already by the time we're like three quarters of the way through this one. But just to actually see him this way, so human, is really, really nice. Like, I really appreciate that. And I kind of, um, I, I don't even remember what he was saying that made me write this down, but he comes across in this scene as so warm, and just a normal, nice person, mm. like, and not the tyrant. And, you know, I, I'm i shocked that Merlin, such a black and white show in so many ways, and such a simplistic show in so many ways with its representations of what's right and what's wrong. And, you know, it kind of gets more complex towards the end, but not really. You know, there are good guys and there are bad guys. The fact that they gave us such a complex character like Uther, who is supposed to like we said be this antagonist but never really truly knowing whether he's the villain whether he's the uh the anti-hero and just letting him be completely human before anything else like and having episodes like this where he gets to actually just be a normal person i'm kind of shocked that we got anything like this for him despite how boring i found the episode I really liked seeing Anthony get to play these scenes and yeah, being the romantic lead, you know, which is um, making Gaius very jealous. Let's just be, let's be quite <laughs> honest about, let's be honest about what's going on in this episode. Okay. 
Because he's not worried about Katrina being a troll. He's like, what you doing with my man? <laughs> like, you know it. Yep. I, I know for it. sure know it. I absolutely do know it. Yeah. Um, also, just one one more costume note I had for this scene. Uh, why is he wearing gloves indoors? Oh my god, I have that. I have that note like, on a later scene. I know scene. that he's, like leather, but really, I have <laughs> that you. note on the scene where he and Katrina are in front of the fireplace because that's when I really noticed it. Like they are in front of the fireplace. It's very cozy. It's very intimate. It's literally just the two of them. They're inside in a very personal and informal situation, and he is wearing leather gloves. Pray to fuck, why? <laughs> I can only assume that Katrina's into it or something. She's because got it a... makes no oh, sense. God. She's got a glove king. Please. She does. Oh, or he does. I don't know which of them does, but uh... one of them does because <laughs> there's no reason why he should be wearing that. Unless he's got some skin condition that's, that he's that's, trying to hide. That's probably where Arthur gets it from, you know, with the with the famous glove you know, putting on glove scene in what is it, season four? Yeah. <clears throat> so it runs in the family. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, it runs yeah. in the family. To that, yeah. <laughs> um, the one I have next is uh, the one where Gaius is sneaky. Uh, I have. A, I, my my name yeah. is the one where Gaius has a clever clever plan. Yes, I only have one note for this, but I don't know what I'm referring to, unfortunately, <laughs> because I don't have the visual in front of me. But I just wrote down that eyebrow, though. <laughs> I mean, so he must have done I, something with the eyebrow. I think. I think it's. Um... He tells Merlin to take this to Lady Katrina and she will know what it is for. And then Merlin is like, well, what is it actually for? And I think that's when I Gaius yeah. gives him the eyebrow like, stop asking stupid questions, just do your fucking job. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I want to say that this is one of the rare occasions where I truly appreciate Gaius's role. Like, he's mistrustful here and he came up with a plan to check whether Katrina is who she says she is. And meanwhile, Merlin is done in by kindness. It's like, like because um, he, um, right, because he says that Katrina is, you know, not like other nobles. She's actually gracious and kind. And I know it's probably historically correct that other people treat him like dirt because he's a servant. But as a modern viewer, my heart aches a little when I see how happy he is that someone treated him kindly, who yeah, that's what I was quote saying, unquote yeah. didn't have to be, you know, because this show is so modern and we this is the mark that we have for how characters are like Mithian later on is kind to Merlin. She is nice to Merlin, you know, other characters like you can tell whether a character is good or bad just by how they treat Merlin on this show, <laughs> except that Katrina... <laughs> like, we already know that Katrina is bad from the get-go. Like, this was the setup of the episode, so we know that she uses her kindness as a weapon. But in general, you know, when a character is kind to Merlin, we can usually assume that they are actually good characters, unlike Valiant or what are the, the guys... Like these these dudes who wear the in uh, who wear the crystals to disguise themselves. Oh, those gay dudes! In, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> the ones in Gwen, the episode Gwen. That, that's yeah. where they that's where they <laughs> so show gay. up. And like you oh you know that they're awful because they treat Merlin terribly. <laughs> so okay, yeah. So then the next one is what I called 
The one where Merlin doesn't understand how knocking works. Oh, I put the one with the pears. Because <laughs> there are, like, a whole bowl of pears. No other thing, uh, just pears. <laughs> I really wish they wouldn't show close-ups of the maggots or make me watch for eat oh. that stuff because I can't watch it. Like, I have to look away. And then I miss really? then I miss looking at Sarah Parrish's face, but I just, I can't watch her eat that stuff. I just, I physically oh. cannot. I always, do, like, I think probably part of me is, like, that does just kind of look like they made some delicious, like, chocolate thing. So, like, I kind of think of it in that sense. So I don't, I don't really, um, yeah, I don't, like, that, like, rotten food and that kind of stuff, I can actually switch my brain to, yeah, like, that's not real. Like, with violence, I can't, but I'm like, yeah, no, that's not real, that's mine. Um, but, yeah, this is the one where I mentioned where she's like, what's that? <laughs> when she, like, yeah. Compliments over. of Uther. Yeah. Goes of the king. Like, Sorry. Yeah. Uh, revolting. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, as soon as Merlin opens the door, she's up and wiping her mouth and back to her Sarah Parrish voice. And oh, it's it's just like that is absolutely incredible. I absolutely loved it. That's probably the moment you're talking about as well, isn't it? Where she just like she switches instantly no, from that, troll. It, it was the previous one in in her rooms after Merlin has gone like uh, has oh, left and, and she just right, she right. uh she moves from Katrina and then as soon as the door is closed she hunkers down and becomes a troll. Ah, uh, see, I really liked it when it was the other way around because it's like how it. she like both of it is amazing. well because how it's so because like I imagine that for her to relax into her troll form is probably more of a relief because that's where she feels most comfortable and then to go from being in her relaxed state to immediately sitting up and putting on the voice like it's I'm like what (laughs) I don't know if like magic is helping her do that but it's really really cool and then this is and then this is the one where (laughs) Merlin's like I'm sorry I'm sorry I didn't mean to barge in and she's like no it's okay at least I wasn't undressing (laughs) he has look on like and i'm just gonna describe the face that he makes because he <laughs> looks down first of all yeah his at his awkward yeah. he smiles and his like he exhales at the same time and i'm like babe <laughs> <laughs> you need to calm down like taylor swift you need to calm down starts playing <laughs> like alexa play you need to calm down by taylor swift because merlin needs to hear it it's just <laughs> insane he's just like <sighs> yeah honestly he he's likes just, him older you know he's just really trying not to pop a boner or like make it very obvious like, that he's popping a boner right now but she what i love is that she knows that he has a crush on her yeah so that's why she says it at least i wasn't undressing yeah so that... she absolutely know which is amazing that this troll who lives in a cave surrounded by piles of dung is so good at reading people and manipulating them. Just like, wow. It is. How much time has she spent preparing for this role of her life? Like, <laughs> Yeah, she's been watching a lot of Downton Abbey or something. <laughs> Probably. It's like that meme like that's like, don't mess with me. I got the power of God and anime on my side, but instead it's like I got the power of Doubt Nabby on my side. <laughs> and she takes yeah. that with her to Camelot. Also, I just realized that the reason why, like Merlin knocks once and then immediately opens the door and goes inside instead of waiting for, you know, come in. That's probably like he knows he's entering the rooms of a lady 
why does he knock and then immediately barge in? Because truly, she goes to Arthur. But that's what it is. I'm just—he doesn't knock at Arthur's door. He just barges in anyway. Like, like so, yeah. So then, like his courtesy is to knock once. (laughs) So, but I'm just like. Merlin, please. But the, I just realized that probably the reason he does this is because he's so eager to see her. He's just so eager to be around her that he can't help it. He just has to go right in. Yeah, he does. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> I can't believe you made this joke. Uh, what? the only other note i have for this scene is that there is a bit of an adr mistake which i just always really annoys me uh the camera is on sarah parish when she starts saying i requested no medicine and then halfway through the line it cuts to colin and i think that what ended up happening was uh, there was something I don't know like what they did but essentially with the cut you can kind of hear the beginning of the R on requested is kind of like clipped short so they they fucked up there somehow and I always hear it and I'm like <laughs> no but hey accidents will happen I'm just like I'm gonna have to pick this apart in Melissa <laughs> yeah I my note for this particular part is that she is definitely not as smart as she thinks because otherwise she would have taken the potion. Yeah. Like, I, if, she, yeah. if she were as smart as she thinks she is, she would have seen through this as some sort of test. And I mean, obviously, there's two ways this test could go. Either she takes the potion and she, you know, fails the test or she doesn't take the potion and fails the test. But I think, you know, if she were as smart as she thinks she is, she would have taken the potion. She would have, I mean, she probably wouldn't have noticed yet that Gaius is suspicious of her that because she's so, fo- yeah. she's so focused on Uther that she hasn't paid attention yet to how, how Gaius is looking at her. But yeah, I still think she should have, she should have taken the, like, does she even ask what the potion is for? Or does Merlin just say Gaius? No, so he says, Gaius asked me to bring you this, and she says, there must be some mistake. I requested no medicine. And Merlin says, are you sure? And she goes, uh, quite sure, thank you. I'm in perfect health. And so, I mean, it, but in my head, that seems like a very natural reaction because she has no idea that Katrina had a condition. So as far as she's concerned, she could very well assume that Gaius sent it up by an innocent mistake. You know, like, why would she think that he's testing her? She has no reason to suspect that he thinks that she's someone that she's not um because like you said if she if she took the potion then yeah i don't know like i think that because she has no reason to suspect that he's suspicious like it's oh it's just a mistake should have done her research better i guess yeah i mean all that downton abbey she was watching was really cutting into her real research time which she should have been uh watching uh tregor abbey (laughs) oh Oh, God. (laughs) Um, So the one I have next is the one where Gaius always knows. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so Gaius explains to Merlin that Katrina had a rare bone disorder, which I'm pretty sure is arthritis, (laughs) but they don't call it arthritis, obviously. Um, And 
what I find really interesting about this is again this world building thing where he's like my tonics were the only thing that brought her relief and it's like Gaius knew this girl well enough to regularly treat her for an ailment and he remembers her well enough that he did this and yet Arthur has never met these people or this family they've never set foot in Camelot again so like why like why would Gaius have treated her and remembered her like they must have been in Camelot a lot and now I just want to know more about this family because it's like everything about this episode is telling me that these families were really close and yet like Arthur has no idea who they are Morgana has no idea who they are how is this possible Maybe it's maybe it's just because the tragedy was so great that they stopped talking about it. God. <laughs> I mean... It's almost Uther, like it was convenient for the plot. <laughs> Uther never talks about Igraine because the tragedy of losing her was so great, so he therefore we don't about, know anything. Oh, come on. Uther mentions Igraine plenty. Do you not think? I don't know. Not, not really anything of, of substance, only that he loved her very much. Okay. Um. So I've got... <laughs> sorry, I'm laughing because of the next scene title I have. The one where Jonas is creepy <laughs> because he is absolutely hilarious. Like the actor who's playing Jonas, I feel like is kind of because Sarah Parrish is getting so much kind of screen time and love in this episode. I feel like I'm not appreciating him enough because. He just comes out of nowhere going, can I help you? <laughs> I want to back off a bit. I, I love him. Like the, the role I usually associate him with is as the teacher in Love Actually. <laughs> and this is just so different from that role. And it like, I love it. How well it's like, I'm just making the bed. And he's like, please don't let me get in your way. <laughs> and I'm just like, what is it with villains in these kind of kids shows that have no idea how to act non-villainous? <laughs> I just, and why isn't he putting his tail away? I'm just like, just so stupid. <laughs> That's the only note I had. I just thought he was hilarious. Can I help you? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, please help. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm just. What I want to say is that I love that Merlin is being clever for noticing that the bed hasn't been slept in. Yeah, that is that is very, very great. Also, I called this scene the one with the funny smell. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. And I wonder is that is that supposed to be like the rotting fruit or the smell of the troll or? Yeah, that that's a question. What is it supposed to be? I just, I'm very dubious about um, Katrina's morning, like the troll's morning routine. I will have more notes on this in a later, in a later scene, because that's when it gets even less logical. Yeah. <laughs> if such, if such a thing is at all possible yeah. in Merlin to be less logical. Um, the next one I have is, the one by the river, which is kind of preceded by like where Uther and I was about to say Uther and Agrain. <laughs> oh, I have I have one before that. Oh yeah, is that one before? And it's the one where Merlin shares his findings with oh, Gaius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Merlin says to Gaius, "This is gonna sound mad." And Merlin, you've got magic. Yeah. You speak to a dragon all the time. You fought against all kinds of monsters at this point. 
Like, only last episode you met uh, carnivorous giant naked mole rats. And you probably tell guys about most of these things. Yeah. And yet, you tell them, this is gonna sound mad. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, Christ. <laughs> yeah. I, I call the next the next one I called the one with the picnic. Yeah, so and I, one, but... I, I just, in this scene, I cannot stop gushing about Sarah Parrish. Because she says so much with her face. And while it's funny, it's not silly. Like, even when she's deliberately overacting to seduce Uther, like I said earlier, it just works. And, like, in this entire scene, my favorite part, my absolute favorite part is when Uther is talking very seriously about something. I don't even know what it is. And she is looking very straight-faced and yeah. serious and understanding. And then, without blinking, she just throws the food back yeah. into herself in the river. How did neither of them crack up in that moment? It's just so because good. Because I never keep a straight face. When I watch this scene, I always crack up. It's so good. Um, Like, I, I absolutely love the comic relief that we get in this scene. But what I actually kind of love a little bit more is that already at this point, and I mean, I'll get into this later, like with the fireplace scene, um, but I just love like the insights that we're getting into Uther. You know, everyone knows that I'm a massive Uther stan. And like the fact that he said, you know, at first Igraine's death was unbearable, but I've kind of gotten used to being alone. And it's like this, I. it's really interesting because on the one hand, of course, it's sad in a way that he's gotten used to being alone that, you know, he's kind of grown so bitter and so used to his own solitude that he's like, well, I, I don't know if there would be room, you know, in my life, maybe for somebody else like a grain. But then on the other hand, it's like, I guess it's almost good in like in another way that a grain's death, although at first it was unbearable, he got over it in another sense you know like he's kind of I don't want to say moved on but it you know the way that he talks about it and what I read in between the lines was that you know it's not as hard for him as it was then which of course it's been 20 years but you know I kind of like that and I guess my question is you know what do we think would have happened I mean this might be a better question for a later scene but I'll just pose it now what would have happened if Lady Katrina had really been the Lady Katrina and you know she might not have been so forward and stuff and maybe do you think that they would have stood a chance do you think Uther would have invited her into his life or is he just past that point now that he just isn't ready ever for another wife no I think because he is already pretty far into this by the time she act like the troll actually hands him the the enchanted amulet, like Uther is actually, you know, I mean, it depends on what the real Lady Katrina would have been like, but like one of the reasons why he backpaddles and why she gives him this medallion is because he says maybe we should take more time, and I would assume that the real Lady Katrina would have gone about this slower. And it, like he still, if she like assuming that is actually what the Lady Katrina would have looked like at this point in time if she hadn't died, he still would have been, you know, uh, would have found her attractive. He still would have, you know, felt drawn to her probably. And then there would have been a chance for them to actually get to know each other. And we don't know what the real Lady Katrina 
was like if she you know if if her charms would have been enough to interest Uther but I would like to think that might maybe they might have been and they would have just taken it much slower and then it would have been you know more natural and Arthur wouldn't have been as suspicious of it and it actually would have stood a chance and it could have become something real yeah I like to think so yeah I like to think so I guess it's just something about the way that he says like I've grown used to being alone that kind of makes me feel like almost like he he's aware how much he's enjoying her company but that he kind of feels as though maybe he's fooling himself as well into thinking that he could ever settle down again because you know it is true you do get used to a certain way of life and getting married again and introducing a person into your house and into your family and into your life is a big deal you know and maybe he's like no this is lovely but I don't know if maybe I'm not too old and too stubborn for that anymore I mean, it was just like a part of the way I kind of read this scene. Obviously, I mean, it's just meant to be funny. Yeah, but it's. I would say that Uther is is making himself ready for it. Like I, I read this as he always thought he couldn't have this again because mm-hmm. he was over it. But now being here with Katrina is maybe making him reconsider. Like he still hesitates, like in the in the scene with the fireplace yeah, where yeah. she we'll goes to, to kiss that. him yeah, and yeah. he and he pulls back. So obviously he still has some doubts, some some hesitations, and he he voices them openly. Like I'm amazed by how much Uther communicates. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that because like I I really need to dissect that because I love it. But yeah, and and it's just yeah, it's I think he is like he's saying all of these things maybe to. Um, because he's trying to to explain to her that it's taking him a while and you know maybe he's trying to tell himself that he doesn't actually develop feelings for her and that's just his way of like you know um like convincing himself but we see him actually develop feelings like from his part i don't think she's actually truly enchanting him until she's actually enchanting him yeah, i think yeah. this this up to the point when he says maybe we should you know get some distance so people won't think we're rushing into anything yeah like he's these are his real emotions yeah no that's true that's true um i have i have one more thing one very shallow thing about this scene because i too want to have a lavish picnic like that someday with brocade pillows and little tables by the side that servants carry there for me and i didn't have to do it myself Someone please make it happen. <laughs> so the scene uh, title that I have next is the one where Gaia still always knows. Oh, I have one before that. Oh, there's a scene. Sorry. Yeah, because I know there's, that I did there's skip one be- two scenes. Yeah. Yeah. The one before that is when Katrina and Uther get back and Arthur is like, uh, like Merlin is, I think, cleaning Arthur's horse That's in right. the courtyard yeah. for some reason and Arthur stops by. And I called this scene the one where Arthur accidentally gets it completely right. Mm-hmm. And he says, my father, like, Merlin is like, oh, they're getting along well. And Arthur's like, my father is a wealthy and powerful man. Yeah. And that is exactly why Katrina wants him. <laughs> but it also kind of, it makes me wonder, like, this comment from him, like, this suspicion that he treats her with is, it makes me wonder how many times Arthur has watched ladies throw themselves at Uther and how many times he has seen them fail, mm-hmm. like, 
clearly he is worried about this because no other lady has clearly been as successful as Katrina is being at yeah. the moment. And that's what really, you know, bothers Arthur about this. Yeah, I mean, seeing as we're talking about Arthur, I'll just say the note that I had for a latest, uh, later moment right here. Um, but Arthur's role in this episode really amazes me because... We get a lot of meat with him in the next one, but he's obviously very much barely in this episode at all. I think it's one of like his least present episodes in the season. And he he so rarely gets to play the straight man. Like, I know that Arthur... <laughs> no, but really, because I know that Arthur is like... Oh, I, I, sorry, it's just... I mean, yeah. Arthur Pendragon is not straight. That too. <laughs> um, but it's like, I think that where we, you know, Arthur is supposed to be like the Prince Charming and all that kind of stuff. But he is also a lot of the time comic relief because the audience knows more than Arthur every single week even if it's just because of Merlin's magic. But normally it's something else too. And Merlin always knows more and is always kind of uh, one step ahead and Arthur's made to look like an idiot or he's knocked out or he's got some some learning to do from from teacher Gwen. And it's like today in this episode, he's just, he's very disinterested. He's very blasé about the situation. He has very few lines. He's just... He yeah, he's just the straight man. Like he's just like, well, you know, my father's a wealthy and powerful. Like and it's a really interesting performance from Bradley. I don't know if he's doing it on purpose or what, but he really it like f kind of blends into the background in this episode kind of perfectly and it's crazy um how he can kind of switch on that. I don't want to say he's not charismatic in this episode, but he like I said, he's just a background character. He serves his role as a background character with just the random looks and the only time i can really say that he ever comes out as com like more animated is in that moment at the uh, at the dinner table where he's got that uh, look on his face but apart from that he's just like eh, whatever like just kind of looking on from the sidelines um i just found it a really interesting portrayal of him as arthur which we don't really get to see very often and I don't think we'll get to see again because he's pretty present in the show. Like he's usually got quite a few scenes. Um, so the one where Gaia still always knows is <laughs> one of my favorite dynamics that the show does. And it's the Uther and Gaius being husbands and Gaius trying to probe Uther for information and trying to get yeah. him to listen to him and being yes. a sarcastic little bitch. <laughs> yeah, I call this I call the scene the one where Gaius tries to tell his husband that sorcery is happening right under his nose. <laughs> and Uther is looking at the world through rose tinted glasses and doesn't believe it. It's being tinted glasses. It's just like oh like he kind of leads into it and then it's the bit that gets me and i think is what makes uther turn around finally with the roll of the eyes as usual is it is certainly a miraculous recovery <laughs> and i can't even yeah see the straight face I... it's so fucking <laughs> sassy it's listen i love that gaia's attempts to be subtle at first because he knows that outright accusing <laughs> katrina wouldn't work so he says it's a little strange. Yeah. And then Guy's face at the end of this scene with the eye roll. 
like that i forget what it was that uther said but like you will drop this or something like this and arise is like yes sire or something like that and he turns away and he has this little eye roll and it's so reminiscent of the sullen teenager or long-suffering spouse who's thinking god why do i have to put up with this fool yeah it's like <laughs> it reminds me of that scene from uh brotherhood where Winry is like, why did I have to fall in love with such a weirdo? Big heads, auto male. And I'm like, this is it. These guys are Ed and Winry, essentially. <laughs> As are Merlin and Arthur, but just a younger, more hyper version of them. <laughs> but um, yeah, and like, just that classic moment when we have the camera, like, like like Anthony's walking towards camera and Richard's behind him and like you see him pause, roll his eyes and turn around saying, What is it, guy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> um so yeah, Uther's not having any of it. But leading into the next scene, which I've put Ooh, yeah. the one where Uther is getting tipsy, because I'm pretty sure he's a little bit tipsy. <laughs> um, he you know, his words have had an effect. Yeah. It's like, it's all just tantrum. It's all temper. And it always, like, guys does get through to him somehow, even if it's on a subconscious level. Because he's actually really grilling Katrina in this scene. Like, he's not letting it go. <laughs> he's like, but such a serious illness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, like, yeah, that's what I love. That clearly Uther did hear what guys has been saying. So, because he asks Katrina about it, and then, of course, he's also terrible gullible because he believes just everything she says, and he's very susceptible to flattery because she just, like, she says, oh, yes, it's a miracle, I can't explain it, and then she's like, oh, but you're so handsome and strong and dashing at my knight in shining armor, which is not something she actually says, but it's basically what she means, and... Uh, well, she's very the, clever with her wordplay because yeah. she says it. Uh, he says it's almost like a miracle, and she says yes, but miracles do happen. After all, is it not a miracle that we found each other again? And so she like switches his own words, like and yeah. like uses them against him, and it's really, really clever writing, actually. Um, but yeah, I just love the fact that you know that. Gaius and Uther's relationship is really interesting, honestly, because they clearly have so much trust with one another in a very different way to the way Merlin and Arthur do. Because I would argue that Gaius and Uther still have a very, very rigid class divide between them in a way that Merlin and Arthur just don't. I think like there are very few times when Gaius calls Uther by his name. He's very much still kind of knowing his place, you know, in a way. And I just feel as though, even though they still have a very much more servant-master relationship than Merlin and Arthur, you can just see that they're a, like, they've put in the work and they've put in the years to get to a point where, you know, Gaius can say this and knows that Uther won't listen, and then Uther still trust him enough on some deep instinctual level where it somehow gets through to him even when he doesn't yeah. want to. I mean there is a a moment in a later in a later scene where Gaius tells Uther that I think that Katrina is a troll or something 
I think he said, I think he says she's a troll. Like, and then Uther obviously throws a tantrum again, and um, Gaius tells Merlin later on, Uther will think about what I said. And yeah. that is, like, and this is basically, I mean, this should have come earlier, honestly, because we've already seen this happening. Like, Gaius didn't have to explain this to Merlin because we've already seen this happening. Gaius has said something to Uther. Uther, Uther got very defensive, and then he thought about it, and he applied what Gaius has told him. You know, so we didn't need Gaius to explain it, yeah, actually. but it's but, sweet. But yeah, it's... Gaius knows that what he says to Uther has weight, even if Uther initially refuses to hear it. And, I mean, I have this note in this later scene, but I might as well just say it now. I relate to that very much. Like, in that, I relate to Uther a lot, because if someone points out something to me that I don't want to hear or that I don't like, I will get defensive about it. <laughs> but then I will take some time and think about it and probably come around. I think, um, uh, just going back to what you were saying before about how she's flattering him, I actually wrote down two of the words that she <laughs> uses, which, I mean, she says, you are powerful and modest. Is he? Is he <laughs> That's but that's just something she keeps doing. She just keeps saying opposite things, and she's like, "You're this, but then you're also this, and this is a good quality to have," you know. So, yeah. Um, and then we get to the moment when Katrina leans in to kiss Uther, and Uther backs away. And honestly, I just think this is so cool. Because for him to say, to turn around and say, I'm sorry, it's just been a really long time since Igraine or since anyone, actually. And for, I mean, you know, I'm not saying that we're going to be turning to Merlin for some kind of, you know, uh, life lessons or whatever. But how cool is it for, for a guy of that age, you know, who's uh, uh, older and had been married and experienced and, you know, kind of tough to, you know, actually say, do you know what? I'm not ready for this. It's kind yeah. of amazing, to be honest with you. Like, I yeah. I am so impressed. Uh, and how he actually does appear so vulnerable in this scene and a bit embarrassed. <laughs> and Oh, yeah, he's very embarrassed. Yeah, and that we... Like, he knows he... Like, the thing is, he knows he also has a boner, a very obvious boner for her, and she knows that he has a boner for her. But he's still like, I don't want to be acting on this boner now because it would be would be strange. Yeah, and that's also just so like mature and like crazy. And you know, actually, I think that this is one of those episodes. Not 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 really this episode particularly, but this moment where it's you know the show kind of does go in a more kind of adult trajectory because you know maybe the kids won't get it, but the adults are clearly being told by the look on his face that oh, it's not that it's been a while since a grain in terms of, oh, it's been a while since I've been married, but he's saying it's been a while since I've done anything. And that's kind of really interesting because, of course, you'd think that he would have his pick of anyone. And, you know, clearly he insinuates that there have been 
you know, uh, there have been others since Igraine. Uh, one of them we think could be Morgana's mother, depending on like the timeline of things. But, you know, just in general, there have been others. Of course, there have been others. He's a human being and it's been 20 years, but it's been a long time. And we don't know how long that is or why he stopped seeing people and why he stopped doing things with people. But I mean, this just endlessly fascinates me. And it, it's part of what I love about his character that, you know, I don't know if it's through some kind of uh, loyalty that he's still holding on to, to a grain, if that's like a subconscious part of it, that he feels like he can't because this feels too much like love. And the last time he actually loved anyone was a grain and it's too much. All of it is something I'm really here for. <laughs> like all of this meta, like that you just don't think you're going to get from a silly comedy episode. Like it's the only thing I like about this episode is Uther's arc. I, I just think it's really great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and Anthony is, I mean, Anthony is always amazing. Let's, let's not lie. But I think these episodes, like these two episodes, and but this one especially, are where he really gets to shine as well. Where yes. he really gets to show his range as well. Like mm-hmm. because in the in the previous episode he was you know, he was being jovial and funny until Gaius a- accused Katrina of some kind of treachery or, you know, subterfuge. And then he gets all angry again. Yeah. Like the Uther we know. And then in this scene he's so soft is honestly the word I wanna use. Yeah. Uther is so soft in this in this scene, despite his wearing gloves inside, <laughs> he is just, he's so soft and careful and like barely daring to doubt her because, you know, he found a good thing and he doesn't want to spoil it, but also he doesn't want to be lied to. Exactly. You know? So he, you know, he shows vulnerability and oh it's just my heart (laughs) and like honestly i think what really is interesting about this scene is that you know just a few scenes ago we have katrina saying that uther is so blinded by pretty things and this is honestly just you know this scene slaps that in the face because he's not he's actually approaching this from a completely different view he is you know he is definitely mesmerized by her when she starts you know sitting up and leaning in and saying all of these very flattering things like you can see it in his face and he has this totally besotted look on his face and he says a very soft yes to something she she said i forgot what it was and you know you can basically see him getting aroused and very eager but then when she actually goes in to kiss him his face is like oh shit and he turns away yeah and that's just, uh, so he is sort of taken in by it because, you know, he's a dude and men are awful. Um, <laughs> but it's just, he, he also is just, he knows his limits or he recognizes his limits and enforces them. And I'm just, I'm very proud of him I, for saying no. I love him. <laughs> I could just... <laughs> And if there's one thing I will always be proud of in my life is that I've converted a whole generation of millennials into Uther fans. <laughs> a whole generation, like three people. <laughs> uh, excuse you, I'm sure there are more. They're just afraid to come forward <laughs> because of the Uther haters in this band. <laughs> oh, God. Sure, sure yeah. Rox, keep telling yourself that. Shut up. <laughs> 
The next uh, scene that we have, or at least that I have written down, I could have skipped something. I'm sure Momo will tell me if I have. I've called the one with the voyeurism. With the um, I, there is one very brief scene before that, although you might have smooshed them together. It's I just called it the one right after. Because Katrina, like, she storms out of the room and then she trashes oh, yeah. the thing. But then she, like, she exits the castle and crosses the courtyard presumably to go to her chambers because we see her in her chambers later on like couldn't she go through the castle to get to her rooms why does she has to exit the castle because we needed i guess a scene of merlin being sneaky and watching her i don't know <laughs> i i have no idea but yeah the one i the next one i called the one where merlin is a peeping tom yeah <laughs> and i'm just okay first off but before we get into any of the real stuff Arthur is laying on top of the sheets <sighs> in just a pair of breeches. He's going to catch a cold. Like I mean, this. maybe it's the height of summer, but I have a feeling that's not what they were going for. Even then, you put at least a sheet over yourself because it's just not healthy to sleep like this. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> it's Arthur. You don't have to live like this. <laughs> serious like listen i appreciate the view i really do but author this is not healthy please take care of yourself your body is a temple <laughs> um i kind of like this though uh the way that they're i mean it's just kind of a fun continuity thing that i appreciate but when merlin shows katrina to her chambers he says oh anything you want just let me know my master's chambers are just upstairs and then, like, I'm pretty sure that's kind of then. Yeah, like, I know nice, that. Yeah, and then obviously he's. That's why he sneaks into Arthur's room, so the audience kind of knows, you know, why he's in there. <laughs> Although yeah. I will say that of all of the ways in which to conduct this plan, sneaking into Arthur's room was probably the riskiest choice. Like, couldn't he have gone to the third floor or the floor below to do the mirror trick? Like, he had to go to Arthur's room where he could be caught and punished by Arthur. Like, I'm just like, really, Merlin? <laughs> he doesn't think sometimes. And no. of course, he gets caught because the mirror crashes and then Arthur... No, no, the mirror crashes because he gets caught. Like oh, Arthur, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Arthur no, stands no, behind him and and is like, "What are you doing?" And that's when Merlin's concentration breaks and the mirror crashes. And Arthur doesn't hear it apparently. No, I mean he, he does. He looks out the window, he sees, sees the mirror it, there, crashed, and I'm yeah. just like, Arthur, how do you think this was going to happen? Like, if Merlin had lent, like, had been leaning out of the of the window and holding the mirror, he wouldn't have seen anything in the window below. There is no rope tied to the mirror. How do you think Merlin was using the mirror? Like I think I think he just saw mirror Merlin and wasn't thinking about the science of it. He was just like Merlin's trying to sneak a peek. Whether or not he thought he was successful or not is a different story, but that is exactly what it looked like and yeah, that's that's what he thought was happening, but Arthur's reaction to this. Ooh, I love his reaction to is this. It's really interesting because he's Ugh. so cool and collected about it. And again, playing the straight man, like just kind of like, 
I'm sure you have a very good explanation for this. And then just looks down, rolls his eyes. And just, again, his his tone of voice is extremely level. He's not raising his voice. And I'm shocked that he let Merlin get away with this, <laughs> to be quite honest with you. I'm, I'm assuming that it's like, I caught you once, don't ever do this again. Like, this is probably the first time Merlin has done anything like this. Yeah. Like in like I mean, Merlin didn't even do what Arthur think he did. Like not in the way that Arthur think he did thinks he did it. But like as far as Arthur knows, this is the first time Merlin has done anything like this ever. Yeah. So therefore he gives him a warning, he tells him this is not appropriate behavior, you do not do this, you will not ever do it again, or you will be sorry. And yeah. it's just I really, really love that Arthur is shutting down this creepy behavior. At the same time, I find it hilarious that Merlin is so relieved that Arthur didn't suspect him of doing magic, but that Arthur suspected Merlin of being a pervert. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I absolutely love that Arthur is shutting down creepy behavior in his servant, because that is like, that is awesome. I really love that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Arthur, for all his faults, you know, he's... He's not that guy, you know, like in this show. Yeah. And he never has been, you know, yeah. which is really good. But um, um, okay, what I have next, again, I don't know if this is, if I'm skipping anything, but I've got the one with the fart jokes and my note is just, oh, why? It's, I, the, um, yeah, I just call it the one where Merlin follows the troll. And I have two things, like one with the fart, it's like, I watched, I watched with subtitles on. And it's just, whenever she farts, it says, passes gas, or, yeah, or passes wind, I, I, I think passes gas, and then it, inc- but the subtitles increase, like, by the end of it, it is, like, passes gas violently. It's just the subtitles increase with the, with the violence of her farts. Ugh. I just... and, and these are the, ob- uh, the, the official subtitles from the DVD, I want to say. And then the other thing I have is she crosses the courtyard again, or the, the she walks around the castle in her troll form. Like, doesn't she think that's dangerous for her to walk around in the castle in her troll form, even at night? I mean, I know the guards of Camelot are useless, but still, <laughs> really? <laughs> I thought she was smart. She's that angry after that encounter with Uther that she doesn't really care anymore. Probably. Oh. Oh, um, so the one with Gaius's bad decision is what I've got next. And uh, in this one, Gaius decides that he has to go and tell Uther the truth. But the my my only note about this is that for once, we really see Merlin and Gaius on the same page about something and kind of working together mm-hmm. like... Merlin discovering something, Gaius discovering something. Like usually it's like Merlin no, Merlin yes kind of thing. But like yeah, Merlin's a bit like you're really gonna say this to Uther, like that's a bit stupid. But it's not like they're disagreeing about the severity of the situation. They're not disagreeing about whether or not something should be done. They're not disagreeing about whether or not they should be using magic. They're kind of like a real team here i yeah. like i quite like that i think it's really cool um i think that's probably part of the reason why i find gaia's 
okay in this episode is um he's making reasonable decisions yeah which leads nicely into the one where Gaius is trying to be a good husband <laughs> because okay we're back I, in I wanted to say we're yeah. back in the gallery yes we are we're back in the in the famous gallery again um they really were just milking it in this episode they yeah. must have got like a I have, of time I have I have a few notes about the gallery maybe I should just get architecture and geography out of the way yeah go for it okay so three things Uther is watching Katrina exit from the opposite entrance, whatever you want to call it. So the position is wrong, because you can't see that entrance that she's coming out of at that angle from the gallery windows, first of all. Secondly, why are there chairs in that gallery? <laughs> There's the chairs uh, near the, near the like standing against the pillars, and I'm just like, who sits in that gallery? People walk <laughs> through that gallery... People stand by the window and gaze out longingly into the courtyard in that gallery. They don't sit there. <laughs> Why are there chairs? <laughs> and third of all, in the background, at the end of this gallery, you can see that there are candles lit in the bright morning sun. If that isn't a waste, I don't know what is. It's almost like this was meant to be day for night. Oh... <laughs> uh... No, but it's it is morning. It's not day for night. It's morning. Yeah, no, like like I'm saying, maybe they planned for it to take place at night, so they lit the candles. Like uh, I don't know. It's just, uh, it, it's yeah, it's weird. Um, my thing about this scene, so like we know that guys tried originally to go with subtlety, like when he was talking to Uther and my only thing with this is like guys like how many years have you two been married at this point like you should know that this approach that you're going with the second time is going to get you nowhere he is aggressive and impatient and he's like Jonas has a tail and of course she doesn't sleep in her bed because she sleeps in filth like every other troll and he's just like he's just going crazy and Uther very very expectedly essentially stamps his foot and tells him to get fucked and i'm just like what were you expecting like he even uses the like angry word that we know means that like he's angry with his bay which is physician like he's like <laughs> i've had enough physician or something like that which That's we know is like Uther. when they use the full name you know like whether he's the middle name yeah <laughs> That's, That's their Uther's slur. That's Uther's slur. Uther's slur guys for guys. Triggered. Yeah. Yes. Uther's just like, you got triggered. But like, I just, what What was he thinking was going to happen? This is so not like Gaius. This is something Merlin would do with Arthur. Like, yeah. I don't, yeah, it's just, yeah, Gaius was just um being a bit silly but yeah i was like "Ooh, he used physician that's the angry word <laughs> the angry word. oh gosh um so yeah i mean i've completely skipped past the merlin and gaius scene after this because it's pointless and it's just yeah. merlin doing the whole i told you so and like it's yeah. for comic relief but it's not funny and they could have cut I, that yeah i i have i didn't have any notes on this scene either um so the one with dinner time or whatever momo's called no i okay i have um, oh no, sorry, there is one before the I told you so scene. So Katrina, like after Uther has called Gaia's physician, we have a cut to Katrina 
entering her chambers in her, you know, human form, dressed in a proper dress. It's like the what she was wearing when Uther was watching her from the gallery window. So she enters the chambers and Jonas goes, um, how did you sleep last night, etc., etc. And so I have questions because nothing makes sense. Where did she change? When did she change? Where is she coming from? If not her room in the morning, because that's what I assumed when I, you know, at the first scene when, when Gaius, uh, when Uther is watching her, that she was coming from her room because the night before we saw her crossing the courtyard presumably to go into the other entrance to her room but clearly that's not where she was going because in the next scene she is in her room which is not in the same tower as where she just came from so where is she coming from where has Jonas been this entire time he was watching <laughs> over her just last night he saw Merlin spying on her like it's just it makes no sense whatsoever. The dress she went to sleep in clearly can't be the dress she's wearing now because otherwise that would be filthy and stinking with dung. John Jonas asked her how she slept even though he probably spent the night by her side, like I said. I just... When did she get back? Where has Jonas been in this entire time? Where was she when she exited the castle while Uther was watching her? Is there like a breakfast buffet that she attended out of politeness, even though she doesn't eat anything? I don't think she'd be that stupid to do that, because then people would ask her why she's not eating anything. Also, she's a noblewoman. She gets to eat in her fucking room. I just... None, nothing about this makes any sense and i'm so angry about it yeah it's just typical lazy merlin storytelling is what it's it is just, geography is all over the place there is no continuity it's just like what is happening uh, um <sighs> so there's actually some key plot information here because i think we find out that Uther's not taking the bait, and so they're going to have to try a different approach. Then we get the scene with Merlin and Gaius, and then we have the scene with um, them uh, enchanting the amulet. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is because we have a gorgeous transition <laughs> between Katrina's ugly laughing and then her tranquil, smiling face at dinner. <laughs> Which, do, you, do you remember that? It's just brilliant. I absolutely love it. The, yeah, like, comedy with editing is sometimes the best. Um so the one with dinner, um, Uther, again, I just think Uther is such a good king. <laughs> like, Uther is thinking, and like, I know he's been influenced by Gaius and everything, but he's like, he's thinking about his people and how they'll react when, you know, this strange person that they've never heard of before is all of a sudden introduced as like a potential new monarch and how that might upset them. And like how that might not sit well with people. And obviously, you know, partly it's for his reputation as well. But I actually think he does care about, you know, what people think. And um, which, you know, uh, he didn't pass on to his son. So, um, you know. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Want some olive for the burn, author? <laughs> Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Ooh, because, should have married Mythian. Marrying marrying <laughs> hashtag should have married Should have married Mythian. <laughs> Back to this ship, um, Uther and Katrina. Um 
there's not really uh, too much of essence to say here because all we, we, we've uh, kind of mentioned it before that Uther kind of feels like maybe they're moving too fast and like what would have happened if Katrina was actually real. Um, but she decides to give him this enchanted amulet. Um, and, you know, I guess the only question I have is, I mean, not that it matters because this is how it did end up panning out, but she's obviously prepared with this amulet. She's enchanted it already because she feared this might happen. But I wonder if maybe she's still surprised that he actually is kicking her out, essentially, um, and whether I think she... she is. I, th- I think she has a look of like, oh, I did not expect this to happen. But OK, good thing I'm prepared for it. Mm, because yeah. then she like you can sort of see her visibly shake it off and make the decision how to how to spin it so she can give him the amulet and make him actually wear it like she's. She reads the situation. She's like, ooh, shit, I did not expect this to happen. Then she makes a decision, like, or not makes a decision, but then she sees a way to make this work in her favor. And just like you you pointed out in the scene with the fireplace where, you know, it's a miracle. What's also a miracle is how we found each other after all, again, after all these years. And so in this scene, she's like, oh, no, you're quite right. But let me give you a parting gift, you know. So she she's very quick on like she has very quick thinking. She's quick on her feet to to turn a situation to her advantage, which honestly is what good con artists do, <laughs> which yeah. she is in this in uh, in this storyline. She's a con artist. And she's a Slytherin. she's a damn good one. That Slytherin secondary is coming yeah. through. I really strong. I have I have a, a side note about this because you can see Katrina's like hot half from behind and her hair is very intricate and i just want to know who does it like who does her hair for her is it jonas because he must be a heck of a hairdresser if it is she can't i don't know if she does it herself i don't think i mean you can probably do this kind this by yourself but why would you if you have a servant to do it for you and in relation to this it occurred to me while watching this scene and thinking about who does her hair that no one seems to find it odd that she spends so much time in her chambers alone with her male servant. I I mean I don't understand why anyone thinks it's a not weird that she has a male servant to begin with. <laughs> like why does she have a male manservant like as in the only manservant I mean, there is nothing normal I, about that. I could I could argue that I mean she says that if it hadn't been for my servant Jonas I too would have died like he got me out. That doesn't necessarily say that he was her personal servant, that just that he was one of her servants. Like, one could even be one of the servants of the family, presumably. And then because he was the only one left of the household and because he saved her life, then, you know, she would feel indebted to him and keep him around. But still, yeah, but she's... Social she's... rules dictate that they wouldn't be allowed in this... Like, he wouldn't then be allowed to continue serving her when they got to Camelot, like, when Gwen was assigned to Vivian. Like, Uther would have assigned Katrina a female servant. Yeah. It's just so weird. And, I mean, she might have one, but Jonah still spends so much time... Like, I mean, Merlin is the one who came to collect laundry. I'm just like... Why are there no female servants in this castle? Why is Gwen the only one? Because they cost money. <laughs> so, uh, the next one that I've got here is the one where Uther is in love. And I've just... No, no, like- no, no, sorry. Um, the one before that is actually the one with the best line in the entire episode. Because it's the one where Katrina has 
breakfast or whatever like she she goes back to her chambers and has some food and then um jonas is like did it work and she she's back in her in her troll form and she's like how could he resist such beauty <laughs> and i love this fantastic so fantastic it's the best honestly Actually, my favorite line in the episode, I think, is when Gaia says to Merlin at some point, and Jonas, though, who knows what manner of creature he is, because we don't, he's, we never find out. No. He's just a random with a tail. <laughs> <laughs> like, why does he have a tail? Who knows so Merlin what can be suspicious of him. He has a tail, so Merlin can spot it. That's only what we don't realize is Jonas is actually just a furry and that's not a real tail <laughs> like attaches it to his belt as an accessory oh. oh I mean that's one innocent place where he could attach it it oh, could God. also be very different rocks I mean but he's wearing clothes so I don't that's, know that's not a problem you can make a hole in pants yeah, but not that, a problem. That would ruin the pants. Like that's ruining a perfectly good pair of pants. I mean, what else is he supposed to do with his tail? It's presumably coming out of his tail bone that is usually hidden by trousers. I'm sure he has holes in his trousers to make room for his tail, Ross. I hate to destroy your innocence, but no, that's just I, how oh, it is. Please, please, <laughs> don't. Yeah, so moving away from Jonas's tail <laughs> and to Uther. High on um, love. <laughs> high on oh, Anthony. <laughs> he's so good. He's like, so amazing in this scene. He's I just can't staring remember out most, the window. I mean, like father, like son, honestly, because Arthur has the same doe-eyed look when Vivian comes to Camelot. But um, I just, my favorite line, and I don't remember most of them, but he when he goes, I consider the matter closed. <laughs> Guys, is like, what did you do to my husband? <laughs> like, like, my note for this scene is that anyone would notice that something is wrong by how much <laughs> Uther smiles and how softly he speaks, especially oh, when Gaius antagonizes him. He's like, I consider the matter closed. Hmm. Oh, like, God. he's standing in the sunshine, grinning up at the sky. <laughs> Just... Uh, oh, so, God. the one... With Gaius's stupid plan 2.0. And the only reason I'm saying this is because, like, okay, I know that technically this is actually really bad because, yes, if Katrina marries Uther, then she gains control and she's a troll and all this. But the way that they're making this sound and how Gaius is like, you have to use magic in front of the king. And I have three points here. Firstly, the situation is way less dire than what you're making it sound like. And you've been in worse scrapes than this before so please stop making it sound like this is like life or death it's like at worst like a political crisis that you can easily get out of later secondly merlin you use magic in front of the royals all the time so please don't make it sound like this is something you've never done before and thirdly you know nothing about any kind of magic, let alone troll magic. Like, you make it sound like you know anything about your own magic, <laughs> which you don't. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I mean, later on, you can't even move a bunch of rocks. And it oh, takes you I, all I, night. Have, I have notes about that as well. 
I called this scene that you were just discussing because that's the only thing I was able to focus on. I called it the one with the unnecessary fat shaming because this is where we're starting to reach the part of the these two episodes where I stop being amused. And this is part of why I hate the second episode. It's... Listen, like, Pizod Merlin has this, like, um... I forget what the exact line is, but, like, Gaius lists faults of the troll and why Uther shouldn't marry her. And then Merlin says something like, yeah, because she has a body of a tree trunk. And, listen, the troll Does she not mean wrinkly? Either way, it's bad. I mean... I I, I read it I read it as she's she's fat and that's a bad thing. That's how I read this scene. I don't know how other people read this scene. This is how I read this scene. And the troll has many faults, by which I mean she is greedy and a con artist. But the fact that she is fat and ugly is not the troll's fault, nor is it what makes the troll despicable and Merlin's comment that she's got the body like a tree trunk is just unnecessary and disgusting, in my opinion. Like, it's this does not to have to be in this at all. Yeah, that's fair. I guess because Katrina isn't, like, I think, you know, she, she is a troll, so I suppose in a way, like, I probably would have assumed Merlin wouldn't speak that way if it was like human Katrina that just happened to be like short and ugly and wrinkly and whatever but because she's like a literal beast like she's not human she's like a shit dwelling monster who you know also yeah. is personified with a yeah. very ugly body and like it's... you know that's probably just like where it comes from but I'm, I mean have... I wouldn't be so sure because with the with the second episode um like I'm sorry, this is, you know, already talking about the second episode, like, especially the end of the second episode, and I will mention it again then, and yeah. potentially go into more detail, but, like, there are other instances in the second episode where people object to the troll, not because specifically she's a troll, or because she wants power or whatever, but because they were, like, they basically are comparing the beautiful Katrina to the ugly troll and they're disgusted with what she looks like and what she yeah. smells like yeah, rather yeah, than yeah. what she's doing. And it's just, mm. for me, this doesn't read as being against her as a creature that isn't yeah. human, but her being a creature that isn't pretty. Yeah, like if yeah, she yeah, yeah. if she were a pretty troll, if she were, you know, if it weren't a troll, if it were, I don't know, a fae, and she were pretty, mm -hmm. for example, no one would object. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, no one would make a, an, a comment about her appearance because she's beautiful, but because mm -hmm, she's mm -hmm. ugly, they keep pointing out how ugly and disgusting she is. Mm -hmm, and it, mm -hmm. this just happens more and more in the second episode, and it's why I hate, like, it's part of why I hate the second episode. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, that's, this is where it starts, basically. As soon as people find out what she actually looks like they start making the problem about what she looks like and not what she's actually doing or at least they always go hand in hand like she's doing these because she's ugly yeah it's not necessarily that they're putting the same amount of emphasis on both of those things because to be fair she is hideous like she is very unpleasant to look at and she smells and like i wouldn't want to be around her like when she's behaving like that 
but it, but I do agree that it's one of those things where yeah also what she's doing is just like it it it's bad and they should yeah be paying more attention to the fact that she could be causing huge issues in Camelot but I mean I honestly don't remember these scenes that well but I feel like they do make quite a big deal about the fact that like this could be a massive political issue and she's gonna take over the throne I mean that's yeah that's the second episode oh okay I I thought there was something about that in here as well but yeah it's but I yeah but I see your point um which leads us into the one with the announcement where Uther tells everyone... Oh, no, sorry. There's, like, a scene that I skipped where Katrina... There are, there are two scenes that you skip, but they're not interesting. Yeah. I don't have any notes on them. Essentially, uh, Katrina manipulates Uther into proposing to her, and that's all you need yeah. to know. And then Merlin and Gaius stay up all day to research how that's to... Uh, how to expose Katrina. That's the one, yeah. And then, yeah, um, the one with the announcement. With the announcement where Uther says, we live in dark times. And yes. I say, do we? And then he says, today we bring you light and love. And all oh, of Uther's children that. look disgusted or confused. <laughs> but like, this is just where Mer- and, and And I don't know if it's Uther pulling these words out of his ass or if it's the Merlin writers doing it, but like, in what way is season two of Merlin living in dark times? Prospering <laughs> and working and Morgana's not evil yet. <laughs> so yeah. in what way do we live in dark times? I don't know. Like I can only assume that Uther is so high off of the uh, the magic that he's thinking that he's in the times of the Great Purge and that he's like, <laughs> Probably. I don't know. Uh, my my second note is oh there's Gwen oh yeah yeah Gwen don't blink like if you like if you feel like you're gonna blink do it now <laughs> you might miss her oh poor, like Angel got a nice week off didn't she yeah definitely uh, <laughs> uh yeah Arthur and Morgana being polar opposite in shipping as usual um, I mean even Morgana like Arthur looks disgusted and Morgana looks confused like even though she ships it. She thinks this is strange and probably moving a bit quickly. Yeah, she's like, I wish there was more development. Yeah. <laughs> but she I'm wa- happy. She that wanted the slow burn, not, the, not the 10k one shot PvP PWP. Listen. She wanted the 100k slow burn story and I it mean, didn't happen. <laughs> I, I mean, I can relate, but also. There's nothing wrong with a 10k PWP. No, I there's just nothing wrong with it. <laughs> but you have to be in the mood for it. And Morgana wasn't in the mood for it. Morgana wanted that slow burn and she's not getting it. And Uther wanted that 10k PWP. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't. He also wanted the 100k slow burn. Could The troll is it the one who wanted the, the 10k Chuanchuk thing. No, the troll wanted... A 10k teen rated. Yeah, where exactly. she just got money. <laughs> she wanted a 10k teen rated. Oh god. Uh, so I have. I, yeah. Yeah. It's just when Merlin uses that spell and Katrina's face starts moving. How does no one notice this? Like, because was it just a visual like, clue for the viewers, or was it something? That actually everybody else could see. Because in that case, how did no one see it? I think it was just like people were probably just too busy staring at Uther rather than paying attention to Katrina and going, what is going on? 
<laughs> I've never seen him like this. Yeah. Oh, Why is God. he happy? Why is he smiling? What is going on? That 10k of PWP will do that to you. <laughs> Only if it's uh, good PWP. Yeah, oh god, there's nothing worse than bad coffee. Um <laughs> like <laughs> really. Um the the next scene that I have um I so I think again there's like a it's sort of like a mirror image of the scene from earlier where guys is like, I'm going to talk to my husband. And then Melon's like, I'm going to talk to my husband. <laughs> it's like, we're going to try and attack them like both and see if we can get something out of them. And Merlin goes to Arthur and I've called this the one with the Mirtha moment of the week because we have not had a Mirtha moment of the week for quite... And it is literally just a Mirtha moment of the week. Like, they don't have much screen time together. I, yeah, I just, I just called this uh, the one where Arthur looks good in blue. Yeah, he does. Because he does. Also, the one where they each decide to go talk to their husbands yeah. is, um, I called that one the one where they talk about using magic with the door open again. And then my note is, that's it. That's the scene. Oh, God. <laughs> um, so I love seeing these two. Like, I've always said it, like, when they're just kind of relaxed and not shouting at each other. Like, just relax. Just domestic and shit just meh whatever and like arthur is just so bored with what merlin is saying he's just like you're not using my chambers to spy on her again and merlin's like i saw everything i needed to see and he's like i'm sure you did and he's just like way too uninterested in what's going on unless he's just so traumatized by what he just saw in the uh, in the council chambers that he's just like meh but um i absolutely love his kind of demeanor um so, uh, yeah, I just love Arthur's laugh. It's just adorable. And, like, the fact that, Mer like, it's almost, I don't want to say this because it obviously sounds like I'm hating on Arthur, but it almost feels too out of character for me that he's not offended by this. Like, ah, God, let me think of the episode. Um, uh... Oh, God, I can't remember now. But there's an episode where Merlin insults someone that's, like, of a higher rank. And Arthur is like, how dare you? Like, they're of a higher rank. Like, you you will never speak of this again. Or something like that. And then I always refer to this moment where I'm like, he literally just called your future stepmother and future queen a troll. And you just turned around and laughed like it was no big deal. So I don't know if this is kind of what the writers are trying to tell us that Arthur is really like. Or if... I get, like, I'm just surprised at how calm Arthur is throughout this entire episode. Throughout everything. He's caught Merlin peeping. He has uh, had Merlin like saying this that katrina is a troll like i mean what do you think because you're the arthur fan here like do you think this feels a bit out of character for him to just be so blasé about it no i think this is just arthur accepting that when he has a whirlwind romance and wants to get married right away his father thinks it's sorcery but when his father does the same thing it's allowed because he's the king and Arthur is like, once I'm king, I'm going to do what I want too. Oh God, this is where it, <laughs> <laughs> this is where it comes from. This episode. Um, no, I, I mean, I personally don't think it's too out of character. Honestly, I think he's just like accepting the fact that if Uther wants to do this, there is nothing he can say that will stop him. 
from doing it because I think he says it in this scene. I, th I think he says it at all. It's where he's like, um, he's happy and, you know, I want him to be happy. Something in that yeah, vein, yeah. I think, is what he says. And so he puts that before his personal doubts, which I think is very mature of him. That's probably the only thing that's out of character is how mature he is about the whole thing. And yeah, he's just not, like, triggered by anything that's happening around and him. Yeah, I think it's before I put it down to Arthur sees this hap like women throwing themselves at his father. Um, he sees this a lot, and he always figured that if any of them were serious, then he would know. And if when none of them are serious, then his father will shut it down himself. So before he wasn't really worried about it because his father would have shut it down. And then when he saw that it was developing into something, he decided not to do anything about it because his father seemed happy. So, yeah, I think that's that's Arthur's whole approach to the thing. And as for, you know, him laughing when Merlin when Merlin calls her a troll or says she's a troll, it's like I think what you refer to is is season 1 stuff like, you know, um I don't remember what it was, but I'm pretty sure that was like earlier in the show. And now we are seeing, we are seeing that Arthur is, you know, he knows how to take these things. And Merlin says them. He's more used to Merlin. Merlin has insulted him to his face several times by now. And you know, in that moment, he reads it as Merlin showing solidarity because he assumes that Merlin has noticed that Arthur isn't a fan of Katrina necessarily. So he's trying to be like, ugh, I hate her too, Arthur. I, I'm willing to hate her for you, even though I'm clearly attracted to her. And, you know, Arthur takes it takes it like that. He's just like, I appreciate the gesture, but it, regardless of what I think of her, she makes my father happy, and that's, yeah, what, yeah. that's what counts, you know. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. Arthur is showing a rare moment of maturity in this. So you're saying that because he doesn't actually see it as a genuine insult he thinks Merlin's lying that's why he finds it funny yeah like he... like if Merlin were being genuine like like if he believed Merlin were being genuine then he might think differently because like even later like I and I mean I know he's enchanted at the time but like in Sweet Dreams when Merlin uh says something like this they're watching Vivian and Gwen and like Merlin says something and he means it about Gwen and I think he calls her a servant or something like that. And Arthur, like, he obviously slaps him, which is, like, shit. But then he says, Lady Vivian is a future queen. I will have your head if I hear you speak about her like that again or something like that. And I'm just like, well, <laughs> like, make up your mind. <laughs> like, you're either okay with Merlin, like, saying negative stuff about people above his rank or you're not, you know? Like, I mean, but... it's... Yeah, no, it's... First of all, like you said, he was enchanted in that. So the... You know, he's behaving out of character already, so I I wouldn't count that as evidence towards anything other than Arthur behaving out of character anyway, because he's enchanted. But also, in Beauty and the Beast, Merlin says it about someone that Arthur doesn't like. Mm -hmm. Wherein, in Sweet Dreams, Merlin says it about... Like, Arthur thinks Merlin says it about someone that Arthur through his altered state of mind, likes or Slytherin. Loves. Yeah. Okay, so that's, so yeah. he's like, you know, Arthur is like, 
you can insult people that I don't like all you want and I'll find it funny unless we're in public when I have to pretend that I don't find it funny. Yeah. But when you insult people that I care about, I will cut your head off. Yeah, true, true, true. Um, so again, I I don't know if I may be missing something, but the one I'm going to next is the one where Merlin is tricked and that's where Jonas kind of corners him and is like master merlin which like we've never heard anyone call him master merlin before and i'm like okay it's i'm just there's so much happening in that gallery in this episode this is the third time now (laughs) this gallery is so busy and the chairs are back in the gallery as well i just wanted to point out it's why are there chairs in a place where people are supposed to just walk through Oh, God knows. Um, but this stuff that Jonas says, it, this is something I'm really interested in because we've seen Jonas on a couple of occasions in this episode. And I think the next one looking a bit uncomfortable around Katrina, like the extent to which she like revels in her filth and her like trollness. Um and when he says to Merlin here that she has him enchanted and she has him like enslaved, I know he's trying to trick him, but part of me wonders if that's maybe true. Me too. Like the entire time he was talking about how awful she is and how she's treating him, I was like, Jonas, how much of that is actually, actually true? true? Yeah. <sighs> Even though we don't actually see her treat him badly and she's actually very nice to him, but still... I mean, we know she can enchant people, so I'm yeah. and like, where did he get those marks from? Like, did he do that to himself? I I don't know. I mean, honestly, we didn't see them very well, and Merlin didn't actually look at them. He could have just smeared some berries on his yeah, skin true. to make it look like he like he rubbed them raw. That's like, true. That's true. You know, that's. But yeah, I'm I'm wondering how much how much of it is true. Just yeah, because of the um. Just because of the way, like, if if I didn't see him looking weird around her in a couple of scenes, I might have not thought anything of it. But because he does sometimes look uncomfortable, I'm like, yeah. it makes me think that maybe there's something deeper going on there. But yeah, that's never really explained, actually, unless we're just like, okay, even Jonas thinks this is too far. Like, bathing in your own shit is a bit too far. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> You don't know it's her own shit. It could be someone else's shit. Well, it's the horse shit, isn't it? Um, yeah. So uh, then we kind of like we're kind of starting to wrap up the episode at this point and we're getting to a whole. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, it's a it's like a montage. It's like these two scenes constantly interacting. Yeah. Uh, One of them is Merlin versus Katrina, um, where she says to him, you're no match for me, which, again, isn't he supposed to be the most powerful sorcerer in the world? Only when the plot demands it, I suppose. And she manages to trap him in the dungeons. And that's that. And he can't possibly move the rocks all that night. Is, oh, I do not understand why it takes him all fucking night to get rid of those stones. Because otherwise there would be no dramatic entrance, of course. Like, it's just... The only explanation I can come up with is that he is stopped by magic from the troll who enforced the rock fall with a force oh, field that or could something. Be why. That could be why. Like, because when you see him doing it, it's like, like the spell... Um, crashes into something it's like yeah, no, you're you right, know you're right. i think yeah. there is a force field around these rocks and that's why she says you're no match for me because she's in reinforced this wall that she created with some kind of force field 
And that's yeah, what it takes like... him all night to break through the force field because he doesn't know how to break through it. And he keeps, yeah. like, basically, he keeps just hitting it with the same spell, with the same strength, in the same spot all night in the hopes to, like, you know, wear it down, which he does eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I think, yeah, I mean... I could get on board with that for sure. Yeah. Although what I cannot get on board with is Arthur not noticing that Merlin's missing. Like Arthur literally notices when Merlin's not there to wipe his ass every single time that he's not there. And this time when he needs to get ready for a I wedding mean, and dressed yeah. and pruned, he doesn't notice that Merlin's not there. And I'm just like, <laughs> okay. I mean, maybe he did notice. And then he tried to find him. And couldn't find him and decided, fuck it, I'm just going to get ready anyway. I can't be late to my father's wedding. Uh, <laughs> we just didn't see this because farting jokes are more important. Yeah, and uh, man, they got that dress for Katrina ready pretty quickly. Oh, I mean, you'd be amazed what money can buy. Like, Yeah, but it fits her perfectly. Like, the only, like, kind of grim headcanon I have is that's a Grains dress. <gasps> Oh, that would be awful. <laughs> that would be like just yeah. I mean, why why else would they have a wedding dress? Like, like peep. I don't think that in those days, like even in recent history, like yeah, you could go buy clothes in the store, but like stores weren't a thing. Like people made clothes. Like you'd have to get clothes made. Ready-made clothes just didn't exist then. Like. I, I just don't maybe, think... Maybe they poached it from another noble woman who was supposed to get married. Yeah, true. I'd rather from, have from that than... one of Arthur's than, other failed wives. I, I'd rather have that than Katrina wearing a grains dress. So, first of all, as I was watching this, I remember the good times when we reenacted that with cosplayers in Pierrefonds because we had a troll and we had an Uther and it was amazing. I still have the pictures. Oh, yeah, I mean, I remember because I took the picture. <laughs> <laughs> I remember standing in line as one of the guests. <laughs> yeah, um, for anyone that wants to see those cosplay pictures, please let me know and I can send them to you. The problem, like, so whenever I take cosplay pictures, like, I put all my stuff on Facebook. Like, if, uh, so I guess this is a good time to say that if anybody wants to friend me on Facebook, please do. Like, I'm very happy for fandom people to friend me. And if you do, then... Every time I go to uh, Pierrefond or anything and I have like a slew of photos, I put them in an album. So um, even though I only post photos of myself or myself with other cosplayers on my Instagram, like I have photos of a lot of cosplayers, including Momo, <laughs> on my Facebook. Um, and so uh, that scene is one that I had a lot of t uh, fun shooting. Yeah, like with uh, we had guests and then yeah we had merlin interrupting the wedding obviously it didn't look as legit as it does in the episode but it was still yeah. pretty cool i mean also also you know it was the actual troll marrying uther rather than afterwards like it was not a katrina cosplay it was a troll cosplay which was amazing honestly and anyway so that was one of the things i kept thinking about as i was watching the scene then as i was watching it like the the marriage ceremony they're performing a hand fasting at not a christian marriage yeah which is very strange because it throws up the question of what kind of religion are they practicing in camelot does the christian religion already re exist yeah. 
yeah we've we've like we've kind of covered this already haven't we which is that we don't know (laughs) it's very strange because i would assume that hand fasting would belong to you know quote unquote an old religion and then what is the old religion what is the new religion i know we've talked about this it's just this is another thing that just underscores the whole thing it's just like what can you please make a decision stick to it and also maybe give us clues that actually explains it like you don't have to make like you don't have to an exposition scene that explains the religion of camelot just give me definitive evidence of what it's supposed to be i've said the same thing and i think we discussed it on our arthurian legends podcast i want to say uh that like version uh yeah we were speaking about religion and like what's what's up with christianity and i think we even had like a talk back from it uh from diane at one point my stance is still the same i wish we had a bit more definition if they didn't want religion in at all then don't put religion in it at all and if you want religion in it then give me a definition of what religion is and that's pretty much where i stand on that um yeah yeah. and then my last note is what the fuck would Merlin have done if he had made it in time? Like, what was the plan? What What did he think he could do? He already failed at revealing her true form. What yeah, was the backup? True. Like, what... If Even if he had gone in and when Joffrey asked, are there any who say nay? And Merlin had said, nay! Why would Uther listen to him? <laughs> Yeah. Why would anyone listen to him? Like, I mean, what, what I will was, say. I yeah. mean, I guess the plan was to go tell. No, I mean, he already told Arthur that Katrina is a troll. So I don't know what Merlin expected to do if he made it in time. Oh, God knows. It, yeah, it's a very strange ending. But the the one thing that is quite interesting, obviously, in hindsight, we kind of know that this is a two-parter and obviously when you're watching this season you uh, you might have known what the upcoming episodes were I don't know if they were kind of widely broadcasted at the time but I mean if you're just a filthy casual then you're yeah (laughs) Um, then you're probably not aware that this is a two-parter which means that as you're watching the episode you're probably expecting i mean you're either not paying attention to the time because you know unless you're bored but you're like oh well we can't be near the episode yet because he because merlin's not succeeded and merlin must always succeed and when he doesn't succeed and then we have a next time on merlin and that it's a two-parter i mean i actually remember at the time being like "Ooh, that's different which i guess is kind of the intended effect you know like merlin fails at at his hero thing like the protagonist button didn't work this time so it's like (laughs) kind of cool in a sense like even though it's a bit shit like it's it it's cool that yeah you like it it, it, it's really subverting the expectations because you expect him to get there on time and do something yeah but but that's the thing it's getting there on time is one thing but like even if he had gotten there on time what the fuck would he have done i just I just want to know what the plan was that he failed at. Like, I'm I'm totally cool with him failing for a change because that makes it more interesting. But I don't know how he could have succeeded at this point in time. So his failure is just like, all right. 
all of that time he spent trying to move those rocks, he could have come up with a plan. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was oh. concentrating on oh, moving no. the rocks. On, on, on just enunciating each word more so that the rocks would move. He didn't even try different spells. He just said the same word. I'm assuming he he knew I mean he might have already tried different spells by the time the camera came back to check on his progress. <laughs> you don't know that. Oh well on that note, uh we have a cliffhanger for the first time in Merlin history and we will not be back with the next episode review. We're not no, we're not doing 206 next we have something in between no no we? We, we are doing 206 next. oh is it 206 next well mm-hmm. then you won't have to wait to find out what happens next because we're going to be discussing it in four weeks time with beauty and the beast part two which is my favorite of the two purely for the comedy despite a lot of problematic elements we'll get into those but um yeah i i just find it more watchable uh personally um but this was actually more 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 fun than I thought it was going to be. My only complaint about this really is that it's kind of it kind of made me realize how much I wish Uther had had a real life storyline with some kind of love interest and like obviously this was still real for him and so we got to see a lot of insight into his character and his meta and stuff like that, but I do kind of wish that he'd had something real from the other end like that we could have had before before he died um that would have been nice but i appreciate the fact that in an episode that's meant to be purely comedic like we managed to talk so much about uther like on a serious character level i think it's really cool yeah agreed could that be it i think that is it for today at the very least yeah so let me tell you guys that our theme music was composed by Sidesteppings. All our additional music comes from freesound.org. The man up on our cover is by Brolin's Keep. The cover was made by me. And I am Momotastic on AO3 where I post fanfic and Momopods on AO3 where I post podfic. And I'm Miss Snowfox with an extra X on Tumblr, where I post about all different kinds of fandoms, including Merlin. And I also have an Instagram, Miss Snowfox, as well as a cosplay alternative, Miss Snowfox Cosplays. Go check out my stories, my cosplays, etc. over on there. Awesome. All right, guys, we'll talk to you in a few weeks. And we'll be back with the episode review for 2SX, like we said. And until then, I am Momotastic. And I'm Miss Snowfox. Bye.